Coach, defense is important, but a team also has to score to win. You can have the best defense in the world, but without an offense to match, you won't be winning any championships. Just have a look at what happened during March Madness this year. Three out of four teams that made it to the Final Four on both the women's and men's side were the top three offensive-ranked teams. That's no coincidence. The reality is most coaches will win more games with a 15% improvement on offense. But how? We're bringing in one of the greatest offensive minds in the game and Read and React creator, Coach Rick Torbett, to help answer that question. On May 9th, Rick and I will kick off our four-week offensive strategies track where we will teach coaches how to score 7 to 10 more points per game. Just head to pgccoaching.com forward slash tracks to learn more. the Harwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. This week, the discussion is about sportsmanship and integrity in coaching and athletics. In light of the recent rule-breaking scandal, Sam and TJ discuss how we can navigate on and off the court coaching decisions for our teams. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Harwood Hustle. TJ and Sam with you today. And TJ, I'm excited. We're going to talk about competitiveness, and character and cheating those three c words competitiveness character and cheating and this is kind of in light of the recent michigan scandal of stealing signs but it goes much further than that the astros years ago you remember when they went to the world series and it it was revealed what they were doing with sign stealing and y'all you can go all the way back to bill belichick and the patriots filming the the rams and their walkthrough and deflate gate Coaches are always looking for competitive advantages, but when does the competitive advantage go too far and outside the lines of the rules and and veers into against the rules or cheating? And so I'm excited about us talking through it because I think it's an important topic. Do you have any initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I think there's so many levels to competitiveness. And I mean, I I can almost like put my players in different categories of their level of competitiveness. And, you know, honestly, I think oftentimes that cheating level goes to just like this ultra level of competitiveness. But there's that, that line. And I think it's really clear when you cross it. Like we all know what's right or wrong in sports or right or wrong in life. And we know and there's a certain place that anybody will go to or everybody will go to to win and we all got to decide what's that level we'll go to to win you know and there's a lot of players that we've all coached that you know they're on that bottom rung you know they, they won't go to the level of sacrifice or commitment or build the habits that it takes to win so it's a lack of competitiveness and you know in my opinion and then we also know the people on the other end of the spectrum that it will go beyond what it takes to win the right way and when I say win the right way it's like look we all have boundaries we all have things we can do to get better to improve to whatever but the minute we go to a place of hey look i'll do whatever it takes to win even if it's outside of the rules right that's a problem and i think it goes back to what we were taught as kids i mean we've all heard it like you know when you lay your head down on the pillow at night how how do you feel and i think that should be the line for everybody like do you feel like man they worked their hardest, their best. I respected my opponent. I worked my hardest, my best, and I won or I lost. Or do you lay down and say, man, I won, but I know something that I shouldn't have done that allowed me to win. And, and I think that, you know, we can't be, it's, it's hard. You can't police everything, right? You can't police everything. And I think that's where there's just got to be that 
inner satisfaction of knowing that I played within the rules and gave everything I had to be able to be that player. And I think that's the ultra level, ultra, you know, highest level of competitiveness when you can stop right before you cross the line to, to something that's, you know, unfair. Yeah. And, and where I stand, DJ is real clear. Like I, I, I love competing. I love to win. It fires me. It really, it, it, I get a lot of juice out of it. And, um, but I never want to win. Uh, I never want to win if it's unfair or there's a, like here, let me give you an example. You know, you know, in the spring, both of you and I have coached some travel basketball and you don't always have the best refs or the best uh, score clock. They might be on their phone and they might forget to, you know, give a team points. So let's say there's three minutes left in the game and we're up, up three. The other team hits a shot, ties the game. They forgot to put the points on. We come down, we score and and then they give us two. So we're up five. And the, and the other coach says, whoa, 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 stop. Ref stops the game. Hey, they never gave us our three points. Do you know what most coaches in my situation, what, what would most coaches do? They're up five. They're going to say, no, no, the score is right. They know the score is not. I wouldn't want to win the game because of a of a scorekeeper error. To me, that's that's cheating. Like now, I didn't personally cheat, but I'd be like, no, he's right, Coach, uh, Mr. Ref. Hey, they didn't get their three points. I think so many times people think they're competitive and they're cheating. Like that's not the best example, but that's just one minor. Like, are you choosing cheating or character? And in the in the position of coaches, who's our main audience here. I think coaches got to set the standard for the players that they're they're leading. These are young people. Whatever level you're you're coaching, you're the model. The coach is the standard. And the moment you as a coach start cheating or trying to bend the rules to your favor, like I think you're opening up a can of worms that, that don't need to be open. I remember in high school, I'll never forget this. Um, we were, we were in a game. My dad was our coach and, um, a player went down on the other team and got injured and we got the ball and, you know, I don't know the rules have fluctuated, but we were in transition. We had an advantage because that player went down and it looked like he was pretty injured and we were about to get a bucket and my dad calls timeout. And I remember the crowd just being like, what, what, you know, like, you know, and even myself, I was like, we're about to get a bucket, you know, and he, it it was, it wouldn't have been cheating if we got a bucket. Right. But his standard was just so much higher. It was like, you know, listen, this kid's health is more important than us getting to a bucket, even to the level of like, look, let's get it five on five. Let's get it in the flow of the game. Let's get it get versus they've got a player down that's injured that can't play. That's a serious, you know, and, and I just thought it was just like the highest level. I mean, you don't even have to do that. You don't have to do that. No one would have faulted him for taking the bucket and then, you know, getting getting the timeout or the ref stopping the game or whatever. But I just thought it was such a high level of care character and, and respect for your opponent, that it that is the ultimate, you know, level of winning to me is when your respect for your opponent in the game is 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 so high that you know, whatever it is that I got to do to win, just as long as it's as fair as it can be. And I think that that's the way it should be. Like, can it be, 
can it be the most fair, their best, my best, and then there's a winner, you know, and, and I love that there's this video I watched where, hey, look, can you give it everything you got and just cheer when the winners go by, you know what I mean? Like you're just like they they just beat us, you know, and I think I think that's something that's getting lost in the game a little bit is just respect for the opponent. I respect that, you know, of course, you're working hard. Well, they're working hard, too. And I think having a lot of respect for your opponent is, is a great sign of a champion. So I, I think that's two different things. I do want to come back to that respect thing, but let's talk about the situation with your dad. Like I actually, as you were telling me a story, you know, first off, kudos to your dad for doing that. But I was thinking, actually, I would have just played it. Like I would have gone and got the bucket as a coach. Like I, I don't, I don't think that would be cheating. But at the same time, ultimate respect when you do that, especially, I mean, depending on the severity of the injury, right? I think that's some context to it. So I think that's great. That is a good example. Let's ask, let me ask you about the Michigan thing. You know, I haven't read every article, like information gets leaked out daily on this almost. And I don't know how up to speed you are, but basically Michigan has a staffer that's gone to other stadiums or paid other people to, to video inside the stadium, the opponent, the future Michigan opponent, their, their calls. Right. So then they have a competitive advantage. Now you coach college basketball. I used to coach college. We used to do live scouting. I don't know if you still do that. Like you you can scout a lot on, um, on film, but back in the day I used to, drive all over the southeast live scouting trying to do the very thing it it was illegal it was within the realm of competition and it gave us a competitive advantage that you can't always see on film so do you think michigan do you think jim harbaugh is guilty of quote cheating by the sign stealing um plan or, or strategy that is used? Well, you know, I don't want to speculate on, I, I, it's hard for me to go to Jim Harbaugh. Like did Michigan cheat? Yeah. I mean, and, and why I say that because I went and read the, the rules. I, I, that, I was curious when the whole thing came down, like, can you not do that? I mean, is there rules against that? You know, cause I, I mean, my first thought was, I mean, did TV cameras pick that up? Like I, I know like sometimes when we watch film on other teams, we wouldn't always get the film that's just broadcast on the game. Like there's other film. Right. And and we can watch benches. I even know um, in the NBA, you know, uh, a, a guy that we know, that's his job. He goes to NBA games and gets their signs and signals and their calls and writes them down. And that's legal. Like that's part of like they actually provide the seats for you. The opposing team provides for scouts to come in and watch that. So that's legal. So like it is what it is. But in the, in the NCAA rule book, you know, can you do that in, in college football? You can't. And so is it cheating? Yeah, it's absolutely cheating. hundred percent. Now, Jim Harbaugh says he knows nothing about it. Um, you know, to each person that's kind of, you know, whether you believe that or not, I don't know exactly the guy's role on staff. If he's paid, not paid, I have a hard time believing that the coach wouldn't know that, you know, one of their staffers is at a game and like, well, if they got these signals, well, where did you get them? You know, how did, how did you figure this out? Great job. But, you know, and they'd be like, Oh, I'm filming that. Oh, wait a second. You can't do that. You know? And so, yeah, I mean, by rules, they should know the rules and they broke them. And so, yeah, it's cheating. Yeah, it, it, you're you're referring to going back to the NBA. You know, you have advanced scouts, guys that go out ahead of ahead of time and, and scout few upcoming opponents. Yeah, so it's cheating. So it's 
and your rule book, it's pretty black and white. Like you would say that, yeah, that's cheating and you should be punished for it and, and disciplined and that's not good. Or do you think that it's a, hey, I'm just getting a competitive advantage? Well, you know, it's been interesting to hear from a lot of the other coaches on what their thoughts on. I mean, Deion Sanders comments were like, hey, look, you know, it's one thing in baseball. If you tell me a curveball is coming, like game on, like it changes everything. He said, even in football, if you know their plays, you still got to you still got to be able to stop it. And, you know, other coaches have commented like during a game, you have guys trying to pick up the other team's signals, which is legal. Actually, you know, you can try and pick up their signals in a game and see what's going on. On, but the actual videoing of a sideline and an opponent's game at their stadium, that's not legal. And so that's that's breaking the rules. Do I think people do everything they can, you know, to get an edge, like to try and figure out the other team's signals and things like that? And you have to decide what's ethical and what's unethical, right? And we know the baseball, the Astros story, you know, that whole thing, like they went and they broke rules. There's rules that say you can't do this. It wasn't just an unethical, like something like, oh man, if a guy um, hits a home run, hit the next guy, hit the next guy with a pitch you know that's one of those like you know unwritten rules or if a guy's got a no hitter don't bunt you know you got to make your own decisions on that I'm not going to judge anybody on that but when it comes to if it's in the rule book and you go against it I mean I think it's pretty black and white yeah I agree yeah if we're and it's I don't know college athletics man is so interesting in terms of recruiting and college coaches, you're always trying to gain a competitive advantage in the recruiting. And, you know, before NIL days, players got paid. It was illegal, but players got paid. And that's college coaches been in the rules or cheating to gain a competitive advantage. Yeah, I just I think it's there's a fine line between gaining a competitive advantage and flat out just cheating. And I would stand on the line of, yeah, go win and do it the honest way. And what, what are some other examples you can think of that, you know, where, where coaches come to this crossroads and it's like, okay, if I click, make a clear left here, I'm, I'm going down the road of cheating. Well, you know, I think one of the ones that's interesting is, you know, I mean, look, I've I've been in the gym with people breaking rules before, like at certain levels, it was a dead period. And I'm looking at a kid and they're looking at a kid and, you know, we're, we're at different levels. I remember when I was in the NAI, we had different recruiting rules and it's a dead period for Division One. And you see a coach in the gym and you see him kind of like hanging out and you're like, this is a dead period. You can't be here. Like I, we've all been a part of like seeing violations and they clearly know they can't be there. I think one of the, the most clear is probably the whole money thing where it's 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 a. Uh, you justify it because other people are doing it. And we all know that players were getting paid. And some people like now they'll say, well, well, now you see it's legal. So everybody was doing it before. Well, now it's just legal. So back then it was, you know, it was okay. It just, it was just unwritten that everybody was doing it. Well, that doesn't make it okay. Like it's against the rules, but so many people just justified their actions because other people were doing it. And uh, I think that's one of those things. And look, we face that. Everybody face that. We're talking about that in sports. You know, everybody listening here is probably, face that in their own life, whether it's, uh, you know, is it just or justifiable? 
You know what I mean? Like, was it just the pay players? No, it was against the rules. Was it justifiable because everyone else was doing it? That's up to you to make that decision. And some people made it justifiable. And I think once you cross into that gray area in any aspect of life, you know, like making money, hey, I know how I can make a quick thousand dollars, right? Well, is it legal? Is it okay? Or or is it ethical? Is it you're going to have all of those areas? Some are more black and white than others. um, But we're, we're constantly making those decisions. And, you know, sports just amplifies that because there's so much on the line, whether it's your job, whether it's whatever. Yeah, And people will go to any lengths. Um, and a lot of times we'll cross lines. Yeah. You'll remember this story there. I don't know. This is 15, maybe even 20 years ago. You and I were at a clinic in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and Rick Majerus, he got emotional. He started crying because he was telling a story where he broke an NCAA rule and he admitted it. But the rule he broke wasn't to gain a competitive advantage. He he took out, I think it was Keith Van Horn at the time, whose father had just passed away, and he bought him breakfast at Denny's, and they just stayed and talked all night at the restaurant, and he got hit by the NCAA, and that would be under this cheating or breaking of the rules. So there are some rules where I know that's a little bit of a side road, not exactly like recruiting cheating where you're trying to get a player and you're paying. He was just trying to be a good man and a good coach to one of his players. But there are some of these rules where it's like, well, everybody can justify breaking rules. So if you're in your conference, TJ, and 13 of the 14 conference coaches are breaking a rule by paying players. Do you say, well, everybody else is doing it. I mean, I got to go get players too. Or do you say, no, we're going to do it the right way. Well, look, I, I mean, obviously, we'll all take the high road on this, right? Like, well, I'm going to say the, the right thing. But I think more interesting is the one you brought up a second ago. Like, um, it, you know, it, it like I, I put myself in, you know, Rick Majerus's shoes there and a player's dad dies and you want to go spend time with them and you want to buy them a $15 lunch or dinner because there's other times and that's against the rules. There are, there are cases where the rules are just stupid. And, you know, Rick Majerus gained no advantage there. It didn't do anything. He was helping a young person. It didn't, it didn't do anything for his team. So it's a dumb rule. And there are times like that. Like if you were to ask me, what would I do in that situation? Because I, you know, I don't want to say holier than thou, like, you know, I would just make every right decision. I'd probably buy the breakfast too. And, you know, and so it's like, you know, is, is every rule not worth breaking, but then it gets into that gray area. And I think, um, you know, we always got to take the highest road possible. And I think the question in that Rick Majerus situation was the actual breaking of the rule, the higher road. You know what I mean? Like, was it actually like, you know, doing something for somebody? And a lot of times uh, to me, the cutoff, is there anything to be gained that's unfair, unfair advantage, unfair, whatever, or, you know, and we face these in life too, you know, is there something, um, you know, you could be persecution of your faith or, or something like that, where they tell you there's one thing, but you choose a different road. And, and there are situations like that, that are more gray than particularly the sign stealing where it's in the rules. You can't do this. You're just doing it for an edge and you know, you can't do it. Yeah. To me, that's yeah, blatant, uh, blatant cheating or the, what I referenced in the opening, the, the Patriots literally, do you remember this? They filmed the Rams walk through like they're in the stadium and they, they left a camera in there, filmed it. 
I mean, that's cheating. Like you're cheating. Now here's another example. Um, TJ, your team, Emmanuel's on the road. You just traveled to a conference opponent. You arrive for shoot around. You walk into the gym and I know this has happened. It's happened to me. Chairs are laid out game day. One of the uh, home team or opposing team left the scouting report on the scores table of your team. And you walk in, you guys are getting loose. You look over, you pick it up. All right. Is it cheating to read the scouting report or is it fair game? They, they, they just left the scouting report. Like it, what, what's <laughs> that? That's a gray area. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a, a difficult one too. Like I like to think that I would just hand it back and give it back and, and do whatever. And there's another part of me that thinks, you know, what idiots left this thing out here. Like that's part of your team, you know, job to, to do whatever. But like, I, I don't want to gain an advantage um, that is, you know, undeserved or unwarranted. But at the same time, like, I think it goes back to like, what can I do to my help my team win? That's within the rules. So is it, it against the rules to pick up that scout report and read it? No, it's not. Um, At the same time, like, you know, it wasn't intended for you. Um, It was intended for somebody else. And I think you're you're kind of uh, um, weighing back and forth. So let's just go with maybe a a quick peek, maybe a quick peek. (laughs) I mean, it's, I mean, shoot, that's happened. I've read it. I don't, is it bad character to read it? No, you didn't. You didn't walk in and steal it. You didn't. It, it was laid out. Like I would read it because I'm interested to know what what does this other coach think about our team, about some of our players. Like I would. I'm curious. Like, are you going to win the game because you knew the scouting report they put on y'all? I mean, in a close game, maybe you maybe you do gain a four to six point advantage from getting the scout. I don't know. Maybe, but really, it's like you you mentioned this earlier. You know what the other team's running, you know, football, basketball, whatever sport. It's about execution. And so I don't I actually don't think that's, you know, cheating. You know, what's the right thing to do? That's that is an interesting dilemma. I'm curious to hear feedback from people that listen to this, what they think. All right. Here's this is kind of off the court. Your your team's on the bus. You stop, go to the restaurant. They get out. There's. There's somebody walking in front of them who is fiddling in their pockets. $50 drill bill drops out. Do does your do you want your player to keep it or give it back to the person who dropped it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like my character is on on uh, trial here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I want him, I want him to give it back. I mean, it's not yours; it's it's somebody else's. And I, I think all of these scenarios are, um, like you go back to the scouting report. When, like I'm going to do everything I can to do to help my team. If somebody played them, scrimmaged them, I'm going to call. I'm going to find out about them. Um, you know, one of the ones like you know, do you give information on your your conference? Like a lot of people think it's unethical the people that are in your conference. Um, but there's plenty of conferences where coaches don't like each other and they're they're glad to give out stuff on the opponent uh, to the opponent, even if they're not in the conference. Like, there's a lot of that. And I think that um, 
you know, I, I think that we're all trying to find out and, and aid our team as much as we possibly can. And I think it really just comes down, you know, to, you know, how committed you are to doing the right thing. And some of those aren't clear, like is, you know, if an opponent in their conference will give me the information on that team and it's not against the rules, like, would I do that? Yeah. I mean, I probably would do that. I, and if, you know, somebody's in my league and somebody wants that information on them, like I'm going to try and uphold the standards best I can to respect our league and pull for our league. But that's just, you know, there's no rule on that. You know, it's not written. And so I think you're you're going to get into that gray area. And it, look, it's real easy in a lot of things in life to just justify. Right. And you have to be careful because if you get in the habit of just, you know, a little bit and we know this, like, I mean, gosh, I probably shouldn't talk to that girl, but I had a conversation and then, you know, I should do it in the second one, like, you know, and then all of a sudden it steamrolls into something else. And we could give that in finances and relationships and any, just about any aspect of life. And I don't, I don't know if this is true. I thought this was really interesting, but uh, the book Spy the Lie, I don't know if you've ever read it or whatever they say on average, the average person tells about 200 lies a day, which is insane to me. Like I, you know, they said, now most of them are harmless and mean nothing and unintentional or whatever. But I was like 200. I don't even know if I speak 200 sentences a day. Right. But um, that's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Like we probably all have to fight our human nature of selfishness and self-preservation and self-serving. We all have to fight that almost every single day. Yeah, I agree. And there's at the end of the day, too, I think a lot of people will justify lies or they're cheating when it benefits them. And my thing is this, again, you, you know me as well as anybody. I'm, I'm very competitive. I want to win. You know, we, me, me and you are playing ping pong or pickleball or whatever it is. Uh, I want to win. I just want to win because I'm better than you. I don't want to win because... I cheated like that for me if I lay down in the, when I go to sleep at night and, and I won because I cheated somebody like I don't get any that doesn't fill my cup at all. I mean, I, you know, I was in a pickleball match the other day. I mean, interesting enough. And like, I always err on the side of in because I don't want to steal a, a point. Right. But there's this kind of like common terminology, like, well, that ball was out in a tournament, you know, like you know, if we're just playing around, it's in, but if the tournament, it was out. And so we were, we were in a little a match or a tournament and, and I was, I always err on the side of in and a guy hit a serve and it bounced right from my feet. And I said out and he's like, Ooh, and he looked at me, you know, and I said, Oh, did you think it was in? He's like, Yeah, I thought it was in. I said, You know what? Hey, take it, hit it again. Like, we'll, we'll play it over. And my partner was like, Look, man, guy hasn't called a ball out all day long, and you're going to argue is his only out call. And the guy was like, I mean, you know, I thought it was really close. I said, Look, whoa, whoa, whoa. just totally replay that. I, I, I do not want this point. I do not want go again. I felt confident it was out, but man, if there's the slightest bit of doubt, like I do not want any opponent to feel like I'm hooking them. Either you win or I win, you know, playing fair, but I, I just, I don't want any part of it. And that, that's the side that I would err on just because I don't, I, don't, I mean, that whole lay your head on on the pillow. Yeah. And I, that's a great, that's a great example that comes up for our pickleball players that listen, that happens all the time. I net, like I always just play it. Like if it's even close, I don't, I don't even, they just play it. But I do think majority of people, they, they're going to take the cheating over the character piece. You know, they're, they're going to choose that way. And that's okay too. Like if, if I lost, cause they, they out cheated me, Hey, that's on them, man. Like, I think at the end of the day, I'm going to win more than than lose by taking that approach. But I do think 
back to our discussion. Coaches play too critical of a role for me, TJ. This is what I want to say is like, you got to go and show the way. It's better caught than taught. We've said that a million times. And so I think coaches listen and just being aware of what you're modeling for the players that you lead. And we're not talking about being perfect, you know, choir boys. We're talking about just being doing the right thing. And that's that's so important in sports and competitiveness to have high character and take the high road. Yeah, I, the spirit of competition, you know, like what does that mean to you? I think everyone's got to answer that question. And, you know, specifically when you're in coaching, um, it is a it is a role of influence. And so y- your level of character, um, your level of I mean, it, look, we can debate these like in a lot of different ways. I mean, a team's we teams up 40 and they're pressing, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, so for me, like that's lack of respect for the opponent. There's are some coaches that say, well, that's what we do. So we're not going to quit doing it. That's just you. That's just who we are, you know? And look, you don't have to give it to me. I'm not going to be mad if you don't give me, if you don't pull off pressing when you're beating me 40, because do what you want to do. That's on you. But at the same time, like I'm not doing that to an opponent. Like my goal is not to embarrass anybody. My goal is to respect my opponent. And, and um, you know, I think part of respecting them is trying not to embarrass them. You know, like I'm trying to beat them. I'm trying to beat them as bad as I can, but there comes a point where it's like, all right, look, this game's out of reach. Now I'm just trying to get stats and points like that doesn't do anything for me. And I, and I, I, it bothers me when people do that, but I know there's a lot of people that feel other ways about that. Yeah. I think some people feel like depends what age and stage a little bit too. Like if you're coaching, you know, SEC football is everything fair game because we're playing with the same, you know, the same rules. A few you you may remember this. You remember um, maybe 15 years ago when Georgia and Mark Rick sent his whole team out to celebrate a touchdown. You remember that? Yeah. And that was like a big monumental, like motivational. And they took the 15 yard penalty. Do you know what happened the next year when Florida was beating Georgia? Do you remember this? No. Nah. So they were beating, and we talked about this with Todd Gong, where Urban Meyer was coaching. They were up, TJ, like 49 to 10 or 42 to 10. And there was like two minutes left or 30 seconds. Urban Meyer was ticked off from the year before, and he had timeouts. He called timeout at the end just because he wanted, he, he wanted to rub it in. So, like, they had the ball, and he wanted, he called timeout. And it was kind of like a message back, like, hey, you showed us up last year. Hey, now I'm going to show you up. But it, it, I say I bring that up because I think it's interesting. If another team pressed you when you were uh, when they were up 40 and let's say the next year you're a high school coach and now they lost all those players and you just kept working and you got better and you go up 30 with four minutes to go. Do you just empty the bench and pull back or do you send the message back? You know, I look, so that's an interesting story, I, you know, that one, because you know, I actually thought what Mark Rick did was great, um, to be honest with you. Like, I, I thought um, now if he sent his team out on the field and started taunting the other team and the point of it was to all come together and celebrate and to be excited and do whatever. And so it's so like I, I didn't see it as disrespect to the opponent. Right. And so um, and, and then the other thing we have to factor in, too, is like 
these are kids like sometimes, okay, well, three years later, I'm playing that same team. and I'm going to pay that coach back. I'm not paying a coach back at the expense of the kids. You know, like that's just kind of letting your pride get in the way. And so I think that, um, you know, that, that I draw that line there is like, I'm not going to make my team do something stupid and embarrass themselves to embarrass another team to do it. And so everyone's got to make those decisions and everybody sees those things differently. Um, I, I thought Mark Ricks, you know, was to get his team's energy up, you know what I mean? Like, let's be excited about winning this game. Let's show, uh, let's show our team that we're, we're, we're ready to go. And, and he was trying to boost their energy. And so I, I, I didn't have any, I didn't have any problem with that one. <laughs> Tell me if this is crossing the line. Two years ago, I was coaching and team I was coaching. I, this was, uh, you know, maybe a month or month and a half into the season. I didn't feel like we were playing the game with passion and energy and excitement and getting, you know, hype for each other. Like just in, in games, like the bench and on the court, we just felt to me, we felt in this rut a little bit robotic and like we just weren't playing with joy. And I was talking to the guys before the game about it. And I said, I want to see us play with this excitement. I said, and I'm going to do something that I don't do normally. I said, I'm going to get a technical foul on purpose this game. And here's what's going to happen. Whoever takes the first charge for us, I'm sprinting out on the floor. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. I'm going to sprint out on the floor and go crazy and celebrate that kid. Sure enough, like three minutes in the game, TJ, one of our kids takes a charge and I sprint out in the middle of the game and I, I pick them up off the floor and I throw them up in the air. And I went and the, the refs like, you know, refs know you. Right. And they, they're kind of looking at me because they know, like, what are you like? That's not who you are. What are you doing? And they were they were they were so shocked. They didn't know whether to call a technical. Well, they did call a technical and they were kind of just looking at me. And then when my, while the other team was shooting free, though, I like pulled one aside and said, look, I'm so sorry. I promise you I'm not trying to disrespect. I just told our guys before the game I was going to do that. But what it did was like my our team was very surprised that I actually did what I said. I was, they were shocked. And then. It, but it really kind of propelled us the rest of the season, I thought, because I I noticed we started to play with more energy and, and model what I, I gave them. And then I'd walk down to the other opposing coach and apologize, you know, once play started back up and everybody handled it great. But was that disrespectful for me to do that to the other opponent? Like some some people may say, yeah. It's a good question. I, I don't think it's disrespectful to the other opponent. I mean, I, I think that you're making a decision to try and I, I think whenever it's directed at somebody else, like that's a problem when it's directed at your team. Like, I don't have a problem with that. It's kind of like the Mark Rick situation, you know, like I, I'm not trying to do something disrespectful to my opponent. I'm trying to get my team to do something that will help us be better. And so, I, I mean, I, I'm comfortable drawing a line with doing some things outside the box to, to motivate your team as long as it doesn't disrespect your opponent. Yeah, that's well said. I think that that captures it well. So, DJ, you know, we're talking cheating, competing, and character, the three C's. Any final thoughts here as we wrap up? I think, you know, we hit on it. Like, just you're the role model as a coach, right? Like, and I, it, being really fair, like, just like the way we respect refs or talks to refs or whatever, I've got a thousand regrets in my life, you know, in the way that I have, have led and, and, and done that. And I get competitive. And we, but any of those decisions you make on, 
being really competitive, ultra competitive, or even crossing the line to, to cheating. You know, I just think there's just two really simple standards. Like, are you okay with it? Do you sleep okay? And then two, like the message it sends to the people that you're leading. And I think if you run it through those two lenses, a lot of times you will make the right decision. Now there will be people that, that won't, you know, there'll be people that justify it every which way. And, and uh, we're never going to be able to police everybody and everything. Um, and we're going to make mistakes along the way, but I think it's just about the constant pursuit of, of being a better um, competitor. And, and I think the ultimate competitors do it the right way. Well said. Look, if you're listening to us for the first time or a long time listener, number one, just thank you. We appreciate you. Hey, we get some of our best ideas on topics and discussion points from you, the listener. So hit us up at Harwood Hustle on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere you can find us and let us know what you think. Give us feedback. Give us thoughts. Uh, we love the conversation. Give us a review. If, if, uh, if you find this valuable, that really helps us in terms of providing this resource to you. So again, hit us up and let us know and hit, give us a review and subscribe. Thanks so much from TJ and Sam. We are the Hardwood Hustle. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of The Harwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. If you're interested in one of our coaching clinics, diving into one of our coaching tracks, or simply joining our PGC coaching community, go to pgccoaching.com to find the support you've been looking for in all aspects of your coaching. From The Harwood Hustle team, thanks again. We can't wait to be with you again next week.